guys, welcome back to another Arsenio's ESL podcast. And today, it's a long reading. But you know what? Luckily, man, <clears throat> excuse my friend. <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, my goodness. Anyways, luckily today, luckily today, I don't have to recite this entire reading out loud to you. I got myself a recording. I am so happy. I am so, so happy. Because then what we could do is, of course, I could sit back, I could take my notes, we could discuss it, and then you guys will have questions on my blog on the Arsenio Buck Show. So make sure you tune into those. And for those of you who are wondering what kind of questions they are, well, you know what, they actually pertain to IELTS. So again, true, false, not given, filling in the blank. This will be very, very good for a lot of you who are probably going to take IELTS in the future. But nonetheless, guys, here we go. Eight and a half minutes of glory. Let's tune in. By Dr. Charlie Whitman, December 3rd, 2012. One. Jamie is a risk taker, a 24-year-old banker who spends his earnings on motorbikes and kite surfing. Risk is something we face daily, whether it is deciding how a company should invest to ensure its future or whether it is making the decision to take an umbrella to work or not. However, some people, like Jamie, have a greater orientation towards risk-taking than others. Biological and psychological evidence indicates that this is likely to be because of the way Jamie's brain processes dopamine, because he is a novelty seeker, and because he is young and male. This paper explores that evidence. Biological Reasons for Risk-Taking 2. Biologists appear to have discovered a physical reason for risk-taking that explains the behavior of people like Jamie. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter, a chemical that transmits signals between nerve cells, neurons. It is associated with the brain's reward system and is the chemical that makes us feel good and scientists believe it to be linked to risk-taking. Our nerve cells have dopamine receptors, which control the amount of dopamine that each cell receives, but not all receptors may be active. When a person has few active receptors to control the amount of dopamine that is received, a cell can become flooded, triggering a feeling of euphoria. Interesting. Three. Researchers at Vanderbilt University in Nashville and Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York asked 34 men and women to complete a questionnaire about their risk-taking to assess whether they seek new opportunities or are cautious in life. This was then followed by a brain scan using a technique called positron emission tomography, PET, to analyze the number of dopamine receptors that the participants had. In their article in the Journal of Neuroscience, 2008, the researchers observed that people who are risk-takers have fewer dopamine receptors than people who are not, mirroring the outcome found in studies carried out with rats. This suggests that the rush of pleasure a risk-taker receives when a cell becomes flooded with dopamine can become addictive for some people. They therefore pursue fresh, exhilarating activities in order to try to repeat this feeling. And as a result, their concern for risk is invariably reduced. Psychological Reasons for Risk-Taking 4. Dopamine 
gives us a biological reason for risk-taking. But scientists believe there may be psychological reasons too. Sensation-seeking is a personality trait that describes the desire to find activities that bring us pleasure. In 1964, psychologist Marvin Zuckerman created the Sensation-Seeking Scale, a personality test which was designed to show how much of the trait a person has. His 40-item questionnaire, still in use today, was given to people who actively sought out novel experiences, as well as those content to lead a tranquil life. From the results, Zuckerman's deduction was that there are four components of sensation-seeking. The first is thrill and adventure-seeking. For example, doing extreme sports. The second is experience-seeking, looking for new experiences. The third is disinhibition, the desire to take risks oh, in social Oh, man, we were so close. And guys, of course, I told you about, oh, my God, that my MacBook does have a tendency of literally giving up on me from time to time because this new version of Catalina is, uh, it's completely broken. So what I've been trying to do is update and do this and do the cookies and everything, but it still does not work. So what I have to do is play this over and hopefully it does not cut me off again. So let's hope that it plays. The fourth is boredom go. susceptibility, a low tolerance of monotony. Zuckerman further asserted that while risk-taking is not a trait in itself, it is very much connected to sensation-seeking, as a high sensation-seeker does not appraise risk in the same way that a low sensation-seeker does. An overwhelming desire to achieve pleasure means that there is a greater willingness to participate in activities which pose more risks. Five. Studies of identical twins have been carried out to ascertain whether sensation-seeking is a result of nature or nurture. Pairs of twins who had grown up together and pairs of twins who had grown up apart were studied, Zuckerman, 2007. The study determined that a fairly high proportion, 60% of the sensation-seeking trait, can be attributed to genes, showing just how influential genes are in risk-taking. This is higher than many other traits, which usually range from 30 to 50% suggesting that the sensation-seeking trait and a tendency towards risk-taking can, in fact, be inherited. Age and risk-taking. Six. Age is also relevant to the area of risk-taking. Adolescents seem to conduct themselves with a clear disregard for safety. <laughs> and while this can be as a result of peer pressure, it now appears there may also be neurological reasons behind it. Dr. Jay Geed from the National Institute of Mental Health in the U.S., 2008, conducted a study in which 145 children underwent a brain scan every two years for 10 years using an MRI, magnetic resonance image scanner. According to Geed, the area of the brain that sits just behind the forehead, the prefrontal cortex, does not fully develop until as late as 25. This part of the brain is known to control the way we organize, plan, make sound judgments, and reason. So it is essential for calculating risk. If teenagers and young adults are dependent on a part of their brain which is not fully formed until their mid-20s, 
it is logical that they will sometimes miscalculate risk and therefore fail to minimize it. Gender and risk-taking. Seven. Some people may believe that Jamie, the risk-taker introduced at the beginning of this paper, takes risks simply because he is male, assuming that fewer women are risk-takers. However, researchers at the Columbia Business School in the U.S., 2011, contend that gender affects the type of risk-taking that takes place, not whether it actually occurs. They claim that financial risks are more typical of men, whereas social risks, such as giving a controversial opinion in public or making a significant career change, are more representative of women. These differences may be related to a person's perception of how risky an action is. The researchers further suggest that when you are less familiar with a situation, you are more likely to perceive it as risky. As a person's gender can cause them to have different life experiences, the researchers argue that there is a correlation between gender and perceptions of situations. So while Jamie may not be involved in risky behavior as a direct result of being male, his gender and life experiences to date could have impacted on his choice of career, encouraging him to work in an industry that entails significant risk without him necessarily perceiving that risk. Conclusion. Eight. There has been considerable research that examines risk-taking and why different people behave differently. The research presented in this paper indicates that there are both biological and psychological explanations as to why people like Jamie may choose to take more risks than others. However, none of these explanations are conclusive. It is possible that the brain's reward system, a person's sensation-seeking character, age, and gender, all impact on risk-taking behavior. And with that being said, people, that is a very, very, what I, again, there's a lot of research and everything that could be very, very blah, blah, blah. But I thought the most interesting part of this was the four different types of uh, components of sensation-seeking. So, Thrill and adventure seeking. So, I mean, you guys have heard some of the YouTubers who have uh, literally, you, you know, have fallen off cliffs, have died. The selfie takers, the guy from China who would do pull-ups and push-ups from 50 to 100 stories. Well, no, I wouldn't say 100 story, but 75-story buildings out there in China until he was unable to get back up and he fell to his death. People who do bungee jumping, skydiving. See, these are adventure seeking, okay? And, or, yeah, yeah, basically experience seeking, adventure seeking, whatever you want to call it. Now, the thrill seeking, let's just put it that way. And, of course, does this come with, like, one of the highest risks? Absolutely. Real Smith, however, for the first time in Dubai, he went skydiving. And he said, and he had such an, amazing story behind it right so the first time he went skydiving you know he was drunk with some friends he's like hey let's go skydiving they're like yeah and all that good stuff you guys probably have heard this story and then leading into the next day will smith was like okay i hope everyone forgot that because i was just kidding but next thing you know he got on a plane he was up there in uh, i don't know how many feet above sea level but uh the door was open and on one two not three but two he was pushed out and he realized how free he was. And so that entire buildup leading all the way to that was the most nerve-wracking experience ever. But when he actually 
was in the middle of a sky falling down, he said that it was the most beautiful thing ever. Now, of course, that first thrill and adventure seeking, it comes at a large cost because a lot of people who do those ridiculous ass photos on waterfalls, they have felt fallen to their death. Uh, the ones that do it for views, a lot of them have died. And so it is uh, very unfortunate that these people get pushed to the brink because, well, I don't know. It's the fact that they need that attention. It's the fact that they need those followers. It's the fact that they need the views. Or is it the fact that, you know, they probably just have too much goddamn dopamine? And then, of course, you have the second is experience seeking. Me, I was an experience seeker back in 2009 when I first booked my trip to Australia. Now, of course, there is boredom, susceptibility, there is disinhibition, and whatnot. But I would love to, for you guys to categorize yourself and see what are you. But here are some really, really interesting questions. Number one, do you agree that young people take more risk than older people? Now, he went on to say that adolescents, you know, they, they're completely numb to the fact that they are even risk-taken. And this is kind of like as a child, a child who has just so much curiosity. And, they're like, and you know, mommy says, hey, don't touch that hot pan because you're going to get burned and the child touches it and then he starts screaming he's like why did you do it to begin with it's because they are one of those people i wouldn't say they're a risk taker but they want to do something against all odds i guess you could say you know i've done that uh, a number of times but at the same point do older people take risk well i mean if you're from the 1940s 50s 60s 70s You've been through it all. You've seen the destruction of, and you've seen what human beings are capable of doing to other human beings. So I think they do have a tendency of playing it safe. Yes, you do have the Bill Gates that comes along once in a blue, once in a, a lifetime. And you have, of course, the Warren Buffett that comes along once in a lifetime and all these other, you know, all these other, what they would consider quote unquote titans of their respective industries. But nonetheless, I do believe that when you get older, such as my mom, she is not a risk taker whatsoever. She just thinks that someone is going to give her something or now, or in American society, they call it, you know, they're looking for that uh, sugar daddy, that man that has a lot of money, such as what's happening out here in Thailand too. Uh, but nonetheless, people, I don't think it's all about age. I think it all has to do with what type of category you're in, because perhaps my mom falls into that boredom you know, that complacency category, or maybe you fall into that complacency category. I remember there was someone who had sent me a message. I forgot what her name was. This had to be in the last two, three years, but she sent me a message and it was a photo about what someone was saying. And this girl, it was so sad because she's like, oh, maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe I just want to be common. Maybe I just want to do this and do that. Maybe I just want to be a boy. And it was so sad. And everyone was like, oh my God, that's the same as me. I was like, you're going to live this one life not making any noise whatsoever because you're afraid of being judged. See, that's the category four. You see what I mean? So again, how can parents, schools, government, whatever you want to call it, try to minimize the risk that young people take? And think about it in your country, in your terms, in your respective. Now, again, young people, uh, startups, so a lot of people, they love to go to Estonia because, of course, that is the startup capital of the world. 
a lot of people will say Silicon Valley, but no, 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 that has, no, that's just all overrated no, nonsense. I'm talking about Estonia because it's very easy to get an e-visa. But nonetheless, young people, are they able to develop business? Well, I wouldn't say minimize the risk, but minimize the opportunities. I don't know what it comes down to like minimizing risk. Now, drunk driving is okay here in Thailand. And this is why Thailand has the worst death toll on the, uh, on the roads in the world, not in, ter uh, in terms of percentage, not in terms of overall toll, okay? Because of course, India, China, they have a higher percentage of people living in their countries. Therefore, there are a ridiculous amount of people who die on the roads too. But Thailand has the higher per highest percentage because of course the government does not try to minimize the risk of these young individuals saying, hey, perhaps you should not get on your bike and drive out. Now, parents should have, it's all up to them. Or, of course, they could just have checkpoints on every single road to get all these fools, take their bikes away and say, you can't get a bike for the next year. But again, that would be very, very difficult to do, right? So it all comes back to parenting. See what I mean? So whose responsibility is it to teach children? I really do believe it all comes back down to parenting. Because guess what? The United States government, they didn't teach me a goddamn thing about a goddamn thing. They didn't teach me anything. Okay, so if the USA, which a lot of people deem to be the greatest country in the world, didn't teach me a goddamn thing, of course, anyone else, they probably won't teach you a goddamn thing either. However, I do believe that the Japanese government has taught the people, oh, it's just amazing because they don't steal, they don't do this, you don't hear that many fights, you don't hear about brawls, you don't hear about shootings, although there have been unfortunate events that have happened over the last 10 years. But in America, there are shootings probably every two minutes in that country. And so, yes, I do believe that the government is held responsible for that, but the government can do an amazing job in terms of what Japan has done with their people. Very, very tolerant. They, oh, well, it depends. I don't know. I, you, you know, because I've heard stories of, you know, African-American teachers going to Japan and having the most difficult times of their life. But I'm talking about tolerant in terms of, I wouldn't say obedience, but doing the right thing. They know what ethics are. Other country citizens do not know what ethics are. So that's something to consider also. And so how I would assess, or uh, I'm sorry, assess risk in my own life, um, it's, that's an interesting story because I don't have a net. Now, I've talked about this in my personal development podcast, of course. Now, guys, what do I mean by not having a net? Well, not having a net means... If something goes wrong out here, if I fail to have any money, that's it. I have no one who is going to support me. That's what makes life so exciting and extremely risky. Because when I left to come here to Thailand seven years ago, and I landed here, I burned all my bridges back home. My family and I, we just aren't on the same page. What I say is white, they say is green. What I say is positive, they think it's negative. When I'm happy, they're sad. When I'm given words of encouragement, they're given words of criticism. So I had to separate myself from my family. Therefore, if something does happen out here in Thailand, there is nothing I can do. I cannot go. I can't go back home. They won't accept me anymore. So that is a monster of a risk already. <clears throat> Knowing the fact that there is nothing back in the States for me, Las Vegas, that will support me. I do not have a backbone there. I built my own backbone here, but I had to do it in the wake of so much criticism, widespread racism, prejudice. I mean, a, 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 an array of different things I had to overcome here. So how do I assess it? I don't really assess it. 
I just say, you know what? I'm kind of like what the Jerry Tarkanian is. Jerry Tarkanian, he was the coach of the uh, of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, running Rebels of UNLV between whoo, probably early 80s, late 70s, up to the early 90s. He had a defense called the Amoeba defense. This was high risk, high reward. So do I have a risk living here? No, well, you know what? I'm very, very uh, far more stable than I was three years ago, obviously, in terms of my finances, in terms of work. But at the same time, you know, looking at some of my uh, uh, monthly expenses or my salary at one specific place that actually should be offering me a ton of work, it has decreased significantly to the point where I only worked three hours in one week this past week. That's a massive risk because then when it comes to monthly expenses, I'm going to look back at my job and say, excuse me, you guys really aren't giving me much work. And I know that there are other teachers getting a lot more work than me. So, you know, this is very risky even being here at this place. So what do I do to assess that risk? Well, I, I look back, I say, well, okay, I'm going to block out my schedule. I give them one week. I say, you guys are going to have to tell me something within one week or forget about giving me any work for the next six months. That's how it is. This is how I'm going to make my schedule because I cannot rely on you. You are not reliable. So it is risky knowing the fact that I'm working at a job that does not, you, you know, they never look after my own pockets. So I take that risk every day to say, uh, yeah, no. You know, they say, are you free Saturday? I'm like, uh, no, I trust other people more than I trust you. I apologize. They said, are you free Sunday? I said, I'm going to give you until February 1st. You need to confirm February 1st or I'm going to block out Sunday too. You guys are going to get probably three to five hours a week from me. And that is the end. Why? Because I know there are other people out there, other language institutes and other workshops that I need to be doing and other assets I can be building that will give me a higher payout. And I trust them more. So that's the risk of being, I guess you could say, a quote-unquote freelance teacher, trainer, coach, is the fact that you need to manage your, you need to manage obviously your savings, but you also need to build assets to cover all your expenses, your expenses or my expenses in the wake of, hey, you know what? Uh, yeah, so Arsenio, yeah, we're just going to give you three hours a week, although we're going to give other teachers twenty hours a week. That's not necessarily fair, is it? So then I say, okay, since you guys don't want to be fair, uh, you no longer have Saturday. Uh, you have only Sunday. If you don't give me work within the next couple of weeks on Monday through Friday, do not expect me to take any work until probably August or September of this year. See, that's me having control. So I have control of taking these risks, but you are going to have to assess your situations and tell yourself, do you think you do this successfully assessing your life in terms of risk and of course are there things that you should do differently that's why at the beginning of this year i said i'm gonna make pronunciation course i'm gonna make a toefl course ielts writing ielts reading this 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 i'm gonna put all those courses out there on udemy create the ebooks and i'm going to continue making assets not only that but i'm going to jab 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 right hook that means give 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 and perhaps ask and this is why I'm building up my reputation on a specific Facebook page because I went in there with my intent in the right place saying, I'm going to help these students as much as I possibly could. 
And now it's reaping the rewards. People are saying, hey, I need this. Hey, I need this. Hey, I need this. And I'm like, ah, see, not only am I getting obviously paid from these services, I'm getting paid four times more per hour than I do at the place that had just given me just a whopping three hours in one week. So guys, keep that in mind. I'm your host as always, so stay tuned for more. We got a heck of a lot more to get into. Oh, and uh, happy February. <gasps> Over and out.